Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is September the 29th, and our passages for today are Romans chapter 10 and Romans chapter 11. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. What an incredible statement. The Apostle Paul nails it. It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew, but in this case, this is who he's referring to, or a Gentile. There is only one way to be made right with God, and that is by trusting God alone and the provision he's made in Messiah to save all of us from our sins and to declare us righteous. You see, when a man goes about to establish his own righteousness, he forsakes and misses the righteousness of God. For being ignorant of God's righteousness, which is found in Christ, and seeking to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted to God and the righteousness of God. This is so important. You see, the Jews nor Gentiles were saved in the Old Testament in the Tanakh by sacrifices of animals. They could not be. Those were only looking forward to the time when Messiah would come and God's servant, his pure, righteous servant, would pay the penalty for sin and he would be put to death and he would be buried and he would rise again. And when he rose, he would rise with righteousness and healing in his own person, that he could turn around and give to all who would come unto him. Those who looked, they lived. Those who disobeyed did not. You see, obedience has to do with trusting God's way of righteousness. Never, never, never by keeping the law and keeping the commandments and the mitzvot, that is the ceremonial or moral law of God, can we be made righteous? It is impossible. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sins. And so verse 4 says in chapter 10, For Messiah, Christos, the anointed one, is the end of the law, the instruction for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, that doesn't mean that the instruction of God comes to an end in Jesus. It means that in him, the righteousness of God is revealed from heaven and that it is in Messiah that we have our salvation. This is what the Bible teaches. He is the end of righteousness. That is, 
There is not going to be another substitute. There's not going to be another Savior. There's not going to be another sacrifice that is going to save from sin. This is why John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You say, well, if it takes away the sin of the world, his sacrifice, why is not all the world saved? Because in order to claim that, the same Bible that says that says that you must call upon the name of the Lord. You must repent of your sin. You must trust in his righteousness. Now, that's not three things. That's one thing all done simultaneously. You see, again, in the West, what we try to do is one, two, three, step it, because we think it is sequential. It is not. Which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Well, it's obvious it is all in one. The same coin that has repentance on it has on the other side trust in Messiah. And that is the way a man has been made righteous with God down through the centuries before Jesus died on the cross. God looked forward to the time when Jesus would do that. And to help you to understand this in a modern day term, they were saved on credit. They were saved on God's word that he would pay the price of our redemption, that he himself would bear the cost and exactly that's what happened. And so when you read this, this is what Paul is talking about. For Moses writes about the righteousness, which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. If you live by the law, you'll die by the law. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, Messiah, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, who will bring Christ up from the dead. But... What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of trust, of faith, which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth, that if you agree with God, if you make that confession with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you trust in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For with the heart, man believes, and it is accounted unto him for righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. You're never going to be put to shame because you trust in Jesus. That is, when you stand before God, you're going to be whole. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all who will call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not just saying, Lord above, I'm calling on you. It is in relation to salvation. You must confess that Jesus is Lord. You must trust in your heart and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead as a satisfaction for your sins. This is what the prophets foretold. This is what the New Testament bears out. You see, Jesus didn't do what he did in a vacuum. He did it before the whole world, and he fulfilled the prophecies concerning Messiah down to the letter, even what he would say on the cross, even in the crucible of trial and scourging, uh, which he had before Pilate. How then shall they call on him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they've not heard? 
And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they've been sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You can tell through this entire section that Paul is pulling and relying heavily upon the great prince of prophets, the prophet Isaiah. What Paul is talking about, again, was the fulfillment of the Tanakh, of the prophets. But they have not obeyed the gospel. Who? Those who are of the nation of Israel. They had not obeyed the gospel. Not everyone and the majority of the nation and the leaders. For Isaiah says, Lord, who's believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word word there is not logos, which has to do with the content. It is the word rhema, R-H-E-M-A. The word rhema is the word for a prophetic word when it becomes personal in your life, when God speaks directly to you in a prophetic word. This is why people hear the content of the gospel over and over and over again. Can they understand it? Yes. But there is a time when you hear the word of God and the spirit of God applies it to your heart and it becomes real to you and you cannot get away from it. You cannot cannot escape it, and the logos becomes rhema, and rhema is how a man is saved. It is applied to his heart, to his life. And so I go to verse 18, but I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, they have heard is the implication of that verse. Their sound has gone out into all the earth and the worst to the end of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First, Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. That is the Gentiles. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. That is the Gentiles. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made plain or manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. This is what God says. This is not being anti-Semitic. God, who created Israel, is not anti-Semitic. He's just telling what every prophet did, that the Jews are a stubborn and stiff-necked people when it comes to establishing their own righteousness versus receiving the righteousness of God. And it's not just the Jew, it's the Gentile. We're all condemned. This is what Romans 1, 2, and 3 are all about. We're all condemned. There's none righteous, no, not one. But there is a double sense of disappointment when the Jews who had been delivered the covenants, who had been delivered the word of God, who had been delivered the oracles of God, who had the gifts, who had the worship, the sanctuary, the temple, all of this, but they got caught up in all of the ritual instead of the relationship with God that God so desperately wanted. And he wanted his people to love him. But they got caught up in the accoutrement of worship instead of. They got caught up in the paraphernalia of worship instead of the God that they worship. And so these are incredible verses. Chapter 11, I say then, has God cast his people away? Absolutely not. Certainly not. God forbid. May it never be. For Paul said, I am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast his people away whom he foreknew or 
Do you not know that the scripture says of Elijah how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. That is, the Israelites, the king, and Jezebel, his wife. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who've not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it's no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. If it is of works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded just as it is written. God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, ears that they should not hear. And that's this way to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block, and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see, and bow down their back always." What we get out of this passage is this. God has always loved Israel and still does and will throughout all eternity. But that doesn't mean that everyone in Israel is saved. That doesn't mean that anyone who is an Israelite and is born a Jew is going to heaven. It wasn't that way in the Old Testament. It's not that way in the New Testament because everyone has to come the same way through the righteousness that God provides, not the righteousness that we earn or work for. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness, that is, when they are restored. God is going to fulfill every promise he ever made to Israel. God is going to restore the kingdom of David. God is going to restore the kingdom to Israel. The church one day will leave this world made up of Jew and Gentile. And then there will be years of tribulation. During that time, 144,000 Jews are going to be saved instantaneously, simultaneously, all over the world. Jews are in every part of the world, and they are going to be saved, 144,000, 12,000 out of the tribes named in the book of Revelation. And they will become God's flaming evangelist around the world at that time. And millions are going to come to Messiah. And then there's going to be a great shaking, a shaking throughout all the earth. And then at the end of the tribulation period, Messiah will come and his feet will step down on the Mount of Olives. And the Bible says he will set up his messianic reign and he will reign for a thousand years, Revelation chapter 20. And so he says, for I speak to you Gentiles, and as much as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry, if by any means I might provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh, the Jews, and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off and you by being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them become a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. 
You see, you and I as Gentiles, those who are non-Jews, we are grafted in. Yes, not all of Israel has accepted the Messiah. Most have not, and they have not down through the last 2,000 years. But that doesn't mean that God is finished with Israel. He will never be finished with Israel. The church does not replace Israel. The promises made to God's people, Israel, will be fulfilled. Every jot, every tittle, every word that has been said that pertains to Israel, God will fulfill. However, right now there is a time of blindness within the life of the nation of Israel. But God will not forsake his people. He has grafted us into this olive tree that is the covenant relationship with God, just like God promised Abraham that he would bless his seed. Yes, but he would be a blessing to the nations. That's through Messiah. And the spiritual promises, not the natural promises that come through being a Jew, a son of Abraham. No, those promises are to the physical, literal, national sons of Israel, of Abraham. But the spiritual promises we are able to obtain, salvation, righteousness, just like Abraham was justified by faith, we are his children because we, those of us, not all Gentiles, but those of us who trust in Jesus and we claim him as our righteousness, then we can be the sons of Abraham in the sense of his spiritual seed, not his natural seed. We do not become Jews. When we are saved, we are not expected to be Jew. We are Gentiles. We are not of the seed of Abraham physically, literally, nationally. This is where we really get messed up and goofed up. We are of his spiritual seed. We claim the spiritual promises. Israel and the land of Israel does not belong to us. It belongs to the Jewish people. And God will one day restore the kingdom to Israel, just like during the days of David, only far more reaching because it will cover the entire earth. You say, wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. Are you telling me that the promises that God made to Israel and the gifts God's given to Israel, God is still going to keep those? That's what verse 29 says. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They're inviolate. They will never be violated. They will never be revoked. And that's true of our salvation. This is the greatest verse on security of the believer, whether Jew or Gentile, in all of the Bible. The gifts of God and the calling of God are irrevocable. God called us to salvation. Therefore, he will never take it back. God gifted us with salvation. Therefore, he will never take it back. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of keeping the law, lest any man should boast. Not of physical heritage, lest any man would boast. No, it is by trusting God alone to save you from your sins and for him to give you his righteousness. This is the only way a man was saved in the Old Testament. It's the only way a man is saved in the New Testament. This is the only way a man was saved in the Tanakh, the law, the prophets, and the writings, the Torah, the Nevi'im, and the Ketuvim. It's the only way that he's saved in the Berit Hadashah in the New Covenant. For the gifts... And the calling of God are irrevocable. 
Praise be unto God. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.